Hi, I'm Melissa and welcome to the Mummy Warriors podcast where we can normalise the conversation of motherhood and delve into issues that are quite often swept under the rug. Join me every single Tuesday for a brand new episode with a brand new topic. This is a mummy's club you want to be a part of. Hi and welcome back to the Mummy Warriors podcast. I'm your host Melissa and today I'm joined by Hans. Hans will be sharing with us today the journey of losing his baby daughter Aviva and his journey through grief as a father, how he's dedicating his life to keeping Aviva's memory alive. Hans, welcome to the Mummy Warriors podcast. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. My name is Hans, as, as you said, and um, I'm an entrepreneur by background. Um, I've done a lot of work in startups in both uh, for-profit as well as non-for-profit in the education space, um, which is really one of my passions. Um, but I'm also a full-time father. Um, I'm a father of four, and I really love being with my children and, and really leading by love, um, having a lot of patience, as any parent knows. Uh, that is kind of the, the golden strength that you really need to lean on, uh, is to have a lot of patience with, with children. Um, but I, I just love being part of their lives. It's something that I knew I wanted to be from the time I was a kid myself, about 10 years old. I remember telling myself, you know, what type of father I'd be. Um, and, and so, you know, if, if you were to ask me what's the most important thing in my life, it is, uh, it, it is being a father, the role of being a, a parent. I want you to explain a little bit about um, your story with Aviva and her story and your journey through that. Sure. So Aviva was born January 5th, 2020. Uh, she's our third child. And she um, was a ball of energy, ball of bright light. Um, she would just was a bundle of joy, um, just had uh, only love to give and loved everybody and anybody that came you know, in her presence. Uh, she really um, loved food as well. Um, she had a big appetite. She had her father's appetite, actually. But I remember one of the, our stories um, during COVID, uh, we actually took a road trip. And uh, she got into a big bag of cherries and she was just gobbling them down, you know, while we're driving on the road. And then uh, we stopped about an hour later and uh, we, we looked in the back and and there's this, you know, little eight month old girl. Uh, she was just her face was full of cherry juice all over uh, her <laughs> face. And, and she was just, um, you know, looked like a little baby vampire. Um, but you know, she also loved singing and dancing. Uh, she, our, our other older kids um, play like harmonica and different musical instruments. And she would sit there and dance to them and would always have music in the house. Um, so she just had a lot of positivity, a lot of, you know, radiance as, as you know, a very little baby. And so um, with COVID and her being born right at the precipice of COVID, um, the silver lining was that we got to spend a lot of our time with her. She was being passed back and forth between my wife and I while we both worked at home. Um, and, and she was just, um, you know, just gave, giving us a lot of joy playing at our feet all the time. Um, however, unfortunately at, at nine days of life, um, you know, so very early on, she was kind of struck with, um, a little bit of apnea. So she was having trouble breathing. Um, her body temperature went down to about 95 degrees Fahrenheit um, which is very cold. Uh, and, and also, um, her heart rate slowed down to about 60, 65 beats a minute, um, which is very dangerously low for an, an infant. And so, 
Um, we rushed her to the ER. Um, we knew something was amiss um, at having other kids. And um, they performed thousands of different tests on her, um, you know, uh, even a spinal tap uh, at, at that young age. Um, it was very, very hard to even watch. Um, and they kept her there for about a week, uh, just undergoing a lot of different tests. But she kind of revived back and she was back to her vital self, um, you know, only a day or two later. And so um, the doctors were really confused. They're very perplexed. They didn't know what she had. Uh, unfortunately, um, it became a recurring episode. So every two or three months, you know, she would go for long extended periods of time uh, being perfectly help, health, healthy, perfectly normal. Um, but every two or three months, she would be, um, you know, afflicted by this chronic uh, illness. And so, um, you know, the, the heart rate uh, especially was, was a very concerning matter. Um, doctors performed a lot of neurological tests and cardiology tests, um, even environmental tests on the house that we were living in as well as genetic tests. And so every single thing came back negative. And, um, you know, we saw tons of different specialists. Um, but finally, after the fourth episode, uh, we, we decided to even move uh, locations. We moved house houses. We were living in Oakland, California. We moved down to San Diego, where we actually have some family. And um, we saw a different specialist that was here. We thought it was a mitochondrial issue, uh, which is a subcellular level. Um, but you know, we, we really uh, couldn't find that problem uh, that we were searching for. And so she lived her entire life without a diagnosis. And unfortunately, on her, her sixth um, and, and final episode, um, we went to the ER. Uh, we knew that, you know, something was, was, was wrong. And this time she was uh, vomiting. Um, however, because she always made a recovery within 24 hours and sometimes even less than 24 hours, we thought it would be just another episode and, and she'll be in the hospital for a couple of days and then come back home. Um, and we would celebrate as we always did. Um, I was outside of the, the ER. My wife was in there with her. Um, Aviva was kind of perking up a little bit after getting some saline. Uh, but she, um, uh, she was even eating a graham cracker, even, uh, drinking a little bit of water. And, uh, and, um, all of a sudden, um, after, administering some medication um the, the, the that the doctors administered her she ended up um having uh, basically a, a multi uh, organ system failure um everything really uh stopping in in her in her body um her lung function her heart function uh, as well as her her brain um it was it, it is and always will be the most devastating uh moment and day of, of my life uh, when the doctor came to us and, and told us that Aviva's heart had stopped beating and um, they, they put her on life support. Um, we agonized over uh, the next 18, 15, 18 hours. Um, we had her baptized. Uh, she was 10 months and 13 days at this point. Um, and, um, you know, we, we all, you know, held hands and said prayers and, uh, you know, laughed and uh, not laughed, not, we, we cried. Um, but we, 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 you know, held our, our, our little child, my, my little Aviva in our arms, you know, cherished those moments that we had with her, um, to bathe her for the last time, uh, to, um, you know, uh, clothe her and, and really hold her. And, and I told Aviva, um, I don't know what, what afflicted her, but I'm going to, daddy's going to make you proud and daddy's going to, 
you know, live his life in honor of, of her. And, right. and that's what I've, my vow to my daughter. Um, that's what I really want to do. And, um, you know, you know, since that time, it's been about a year now. Um, it's been a very hard journey, hard and arduous uh, journey through grief um, of all of the emotions uh, from the shock to the anger to the um, bargaining even and to the acceptance. Um, and now it's, it's really about finding meaning, um, you know, uh, that beyond the devastation of losing Aviva um, was also the, you know, the, the devastating, the tragedy of, of losing her future. And um, there's a parent um, that, that told me this um, saying just a couple of days after she died, she said, um, you know, when, when you lose your parents, you lose your past. When you lose your spouse, you lose your present. And when you lose your child, you lose your future. And that particular statement I'm not sure why anyone would say that to uh, a parent that has lost a child, but um, it really didn't sit right with me. It really, you know, uh, it really affected me in in a really way that I really didn't like. Um, Right. Because I I don't believe that Aviva has lost her entire future. Uh, I believe there's a lot that she can actually do and, 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 and spreading her positive impact that she had on me and just becoming a vessel and a channel to really parlay that to the rest of the world. Um, those little boys and girls and parents and teachers um, that never got a chance to meet her is really what I, I want to dedicate my life to. And, um, you know, uh, I've, I've been doing that in, in different ways, but, um, you know, in terms of that, that future, I think the one thing, you know, physical life forms, you know, we, we will all perish at one point, we'll, we'll not be here. But in terms of the spirit, of, of, of my daughter um, and the impact that she can create, I do believe that that can still live on uh, as well as the love uh, that a father has for his daughter um, and, and the love that, you know, we have for our loved ones. Those are the things that do live on. And those are the things that are internal, e- eternal. And, um, and those are the, the motivating factors that have really led me to uh, begin a journey uh, of, of where I am today. Firstly, obviously, I want to say I'm so sorry for your loss. And at the same time, I really do commend the fact that you are putting in the passion to let her live on and basically pave the way of her memory and keep her memory alive. Um, I think that is so amazing to do and so brave because it is only just a short time and while going through the process of those spells of her getting ill, did you and your family at ever point think it would ever come to the worst? Or because she made such a quick recovery, you kind of just always felt the optimism of, you know, something which is going to basically kind of grow out of, grow out of it. Um, the short answer is no. Um, you know, I've always felt blessed in life. I've always had a very positive and optimistic outlook on life. Um, I've had success in in business and in nonprofit space. And I've also been blessed with a a really beautiful and loving family. Um, And and so when, you know, this tragedy struck, even I remember walking through the ER when they finally let me in, um, you know, uh, due to COVID, they, they usually only let one parent in. But I remember walking um, into the ER, just thinking, you know, this cannot be happening. This cannot be real. This cannot happen to me. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, tragedy 
has never really, really struck this, you know, light like me this way. And, and um, mm-hmm. even though, I, and this is a whole different tangent, but um, many years ago, I, I myself almost died. Um, I, I was very close to death. However, this, you know, far exceeds, you know, whatever pain that, that actually was, um, wow. you know, I, I'm sitting here, um, you know, by her bedside and, and just praying that there's some kind of hope, but almost wishing that it would be me on that table rather than my daughter. I, I did not want this to happen to me. And so um, it certainly, you know, challenges a lot of in the, these, these positive, optimistic kind of uh, outlooks that we have. And maybe that's a defense mechanism um, that we just don't think we can't think that the worst can happen. Um, but what it, what it has given me is a perspective and it's yeah. a perspective that I would like to share with the parents and the moms and dads that are li- listening to your show. Um, you know, I'm blessed with now. And, and if you can say blessed in the, in the sentence of, of really having a perspective of um, enjoying every single moment that I have with my children, with my living children um, right. and really cherishing uh, those moments with them because um you know, the, the things I wish I could get back, you know, with Aviva, the times that she woke me up in the middle of the night or, or the times when her, you know, she had a poopy diaper and it went through her, her, her diaper or, yeah. um, you know, the times where she might be crying incessantly and, and throwing a temper tantrum, um, which she never did. But, you know, those, those, those moments that I wish I could still have with her, even, even the bad moments, you would say, are much, much better than uh, whatever, you know, the situation that, that we're in right now. And so, um, with my living children, surviving children, I am certainly, um, you know, sometimes my, my son was just having a temper tantrum this morning. I, I just, um, you know, almost had to smile and just take a step back and, um, and just embrace him, give him a big hug and show him a lot of love because I get the opportunity to do that. And, uh, and that is what I do feel fortunate about. Um, but a lot of times us parents, we, we, you know, understandably are are very angry, very heated in those moments. Um, but the the perspective I do want to pass on, uh, to parents is, is really, you know, cherish those moments because you really don't ever know, um, the, when will be the last day that you see your child. And, um, certainly, you know, when Aviva passed, uh, did not see it coming, um, by any means, even with her medical history. Yeah, and it's definitely, of course, every parent's worst nightmare, which is why I want you to explain the concept of a father's navigation through grief, because we often hear about a mother's story. We very rarely hear about it from a father's perspective. So if you could please share your perspective of that. Yeah, uh, you know, before my daughter died, I really didn't know much about grief at all. Um, I probably couldn't even spell grief. Uh, I was just so far removed. I wouldn't even know how to respond, you know, to someone, a, a friend or uh, a family member that, that might've lost someone. Um, however, over the last year, what I've learned and, you know, I, I'm the type of person that really digs in 120% um, to anything that, I, that I'm focused on, um, whether that's business or sports or family or, or, or otherwise. Um, and so I, I decided, you know, I, I'm literally going to learn as much as I can through this. Um, I'm going to 
kind of tackle um, the grief journey head head on. Um, but I'm also going to be vulnerable. I'm going to feel uh, the pain. I'm going to feel, I'm going to cry. I'm going to be depressed. I'm going to be angry. Um, and, and also, you know, started reading a lot of books. And so I'm reading a lot of books on child loss, on the grieving journey, on the afterlife as well, because I, I still want to know, you know, where my daughter is and what she's doing and if she's okay. Um, and so that's, that's been a separate journey, but in terms of, you know, grief, one thing I've learned is, is that there's no right way to grieve. Uh, we all have different ways and manners and expressions of, of how we grieve. Um, you know, my wife and I are, are very different. Um, I'm definitely much more outspoken and, and I like to actually talk about my daughter um, to strangers or to anyone who's willing to listen. Um, and she's more private and she's been writing a lot. And, uh, and that's okay because um, what I've learned is that we, we have to be supportive of each other. Um, usually 50% of couples that go through a tragedy like this uh, do end, end up divorcing. And a lot of times it's not due to the tragedy them, itself, but it's rather due to the differences in how those parents actually grieve um, you know, that, that loss. And one parent could be uh, you know, further in the journey or, or you know, they want to move past it or they want to do something else. And another one might be you know, f- farther back. And, um, and just that you know, disconnect um, could be the basis of, of divorce. And, um, and so that's something that we consciously made an effort of, of not having or, or not going down that road and making sure that we support each other. And I would say to this day, we are stronger um, than we were even before uh, a year ago. And so um, what, while there's no right way to grieve, what I've learned is there is a, a wrong way to grieve. And, and that wrong way is, is trying to lock everything in to a box and trying to bury it and trying and not talking about it, not doing anything about it um, and trying to act like everything's normal and not processing those, those emotions. Um, a lot of times it backfires. It comes out in different ways uh, later uh, down the road in, you know, self-destructive behavior or in alcoholism or in, in you know, being angry at, at the world. Um, there's, there's different ways um, that, that it manifests, but um, you know, through, seeing a, a therapist, which I, I did for the very first time. Uh, so I saw her for about six months, um, every, uh, twice a week. Um, I learned, you know, self-compassion is very important, uh, along this journey. It's, you know, right after Aviva died, there's thousands of things I was saying to myself, you know, would have, could have, should have, um, should have done this, but, uh, what it leads to are, are dead ends every single in every single direction. There's, there's no, there's nothing, there's no answer. There's nothing that's going to bring her back. Um, the thing that I want the most, um, and, and it will just tear me apart and eat me up inside. And so, um, so self-compassion and self-care, uh, are very important. Um, and then finally, you know, being able to, you know, try to become whole again and, uh, try to find that that happiness again. Um, that cup of joy that I had for my daughter was completely, you know, shattered and definitely emptied. But um, what I've learned is is that I can still be happy with my children, my surviving children, uh, while also grieving my daughter at the same time. It's a skill that you know not many of us of us know, you know, how to how to handle. But if you think about it, being you know 
grieving and happy at the same time is, is very difficult. Um, but it's a necessary type of, um, skill that we have to kind of pick up the pieces because, um, it would be a disservice to Aviva if I weren't fully invested and enjoying those moments that I do have, uh, with her siblings and, and, um, and, and knowing the fact that I won't ever have a perfect life in the future. Um, I, I won't ever say that this is a perfect day because there's going to be something missing. But when, what I can do is say, this is a perfect moment. It's a perfect little moment of, of every single day um, and cherishing those, um, you know, ultimately brings, brings happiness and joy, but it also, you know, honors my, my daughter as well. And so, um, yeah, that is the message I, I would have, you know, to all the parents is really, you know, find those perfect moments that you have with your, your child every day. And I think one of the key points that you've made that you've taught me something about is um, when you said that you can enjoy the children, that you, your children are alive and still go through the grieving process as well, rather than kind of shutting them out. I think it's amazing that you kind of can you split the two. Obviously, it's so devastating what you know you've gone through and are going through. But at the same time, the fact that you still are present in the lives of your your, your kids now is amazing too. Because I think that from what I've seen, just I've never really been so close into the you know someone who's lost a kid. But I, from little things that I have watched, um, I know that number one, obviously, it does definitely tear families apart. Grief tears families apart. And um, there sometimes can be a disconnect with children because obviously the parent is so consumed with their grief of the child that they've lost, they kind of forget about the, the children that they that are still living, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it was, it was certainly, you know, one of the hardest things, but also a, a blessed thing to have, you know, to come home from that hospital. And I still remember, you know, giving my, my kids, uh, while they're sitting on the stairs, you know, a big hug, uh, a really, really big hug, um, and, and really just loving them. And, um, but at the same time, it was, it was definitely hard when they started, you know, um, you know, asking for milk or asking for toys or asking for, you know, to, you know, they need a bath or need to put them in the bed. Um, yeah. those are, you know, the standard everyday things that just become really tough because you need a lot of self-care at that point in time. Yeah. Um, the grieving journey is, is, is very lonely. It's, it's a, it's a very isolating, um, you know, event in, in someone's life. And, uh, I think, you know, a, along with death, um, everybody will, will face grief at some point in their life. Um, mm -hmm. it's just a, a fact of life. But what we can do as a society is really understand grief in a way that we can support each other um, a lot better when those, those events do happen with loved ones, with colleagues, with friends. Um, and, and really, my purpose is really you know, sharing my story um, and maybe imparting some knowledge and giving um, people a little inside um, view of what it does look like um, and, and what... Um, and what we do need. And, and so as, as we do, as we walk along our separate grief journey journeys, it's, um, it sometimes it's, it's hurtful when, when you actually don't hear from people, when you don't, uh, you know, when you have people that confuse distance with space and a lot of times, uh, you know, friends would think, 
well, I'm just going to give this person distance because, you know, he doesn't want to hear from me at this point in time, when in fact, what we do need is space. And that means, you know, a platform um, for us to speak and, and a little bit of um, maybe a conversation or, or Zoom call. Um, what we do want is, is really to be heard, um, to be understood, to let out frustrations, let out anger, um, to cry with someone, to hug somebody. Um, you know, those are, are the things, you know, we, we as social animals, as humans, um, we need others, uh, you know, during the, during the darkest times and darkest hours of our life. Um, but what as I see as society and, you know, is very clear to me now, um, society really puts on a pedestal all of those beautiful moments in life, the marriages and the baby showers and the gender reveals and all of those. Um, but yet, you know, when, when we really need someone the most, um, it becomes a very confusing and isolating uh, event. And, and um, my advice to anyone who's lost anybody, um, which we, you know, many of us have during COVID, um, you know, just give, give them a ring, reach out to them, yeah. uh, just, yeah. just show up, send them a text message and say you're thinking about them. Um, because you never know how impactful that will be. Um, it'll be much more impactful than, than almost, you know, you can, you can really imagine. And so, um, you know, the people that have really come out of the woodworks, um, you know, from 10 years in my past, um, reaching out and, and, and kind of giving support has just been amazing. Um, uh, a lot of times it's only because they actually understand grief. They've actually, um, you know, lived through it themselves. And, and yeah. those are the people that can actually relate. Um, but that doesn't have to be the case. And I think um, we need to be more transparent as a society to really talk about it and, and give space to, um, to those who are grieving uh, to really talk about their loss. Right. I, I definitely agree with that. But what, what do you believe are the misconceptions around parents who are going through grief and are grieving? Yeah, I, I mean, so I, I've joined a lot of different grief groups. Um, one's called Compassionate Friends here in the U.S. Um, and it's all, uh, you know, it's, it's all uh, parents that have lost a child. And um, we all come together because we do have this shared common bond. Uh, and, and the price of admission in that group is, you know, a, a price that nobody wants to pay. However, what we can do is actually support each other and, and, and listen to each other as, um, and, and be uh, real, um, be our natural selves, uh, you know, cry with each other, hug each other, um, and listen to uh, each other's stories. And I, I would say there's one common theme that almost everybody across the board, you know, wants for their child is that they want their child to be remembered and they want to talk about their child um, no matter, you know, how long ago they passed, um, there's members who have been there for 30 years, um, and, and they still love talking about their children. Um, you know, it's, it's it might be different, um, uh, losing, losing, you know, a parent or a grandparent or anyone else. Um, but with, with children, you know, the very first time that any parent, you know, if they, they remember going back, you know, to the hospital, even, um, when they, when they hold their baby for the very first time, um, that enormity of how, how massive of a life change that is, um, now that you have this little baby that, um, that isn't, you know, entrusted in your care to take home, 
um, your whole worldview changes. You know, you just you only want the best future for that child. The, the only way that I can actually explain losing a child to someone who hasn't lost one is imagine that feeling, that transcendental type of uh, feeling. It's, it's almost double fold. It's, it's, it's almost the exact same, um, you know, change in, in life priorities, change in life values, uh, um, but also change in purpose. And, um, and the purpose being, you know, doing something you know, worthwhile or, or, or in commemoration of, of your child. And for me, um, that actually leads to, to really helping others. Um, I, I think if I try to, you know, take the love that I have for Aviva and really try to put it into a passion or a project, um, where I'm actually helping others, uh, and, and even a career, um, helping others, you know, even on an individual basis, if it's just one person, um, you know, those are, that's the, overwhelming feeling that I feel right now um, that had been there before, but it's, it's, it's not as mad. It's, you know, super magnified at, at this point in time. And so, um, yeah, if, if you know anyone who's, who's lost a child, you know, um, reach out to them and, and, you know, ask them about, you know, any stories or any, any great stories that they have of their children, because um, we, we all certainly love talking about our children. My, as I've explained to you before, my, my perception and my experience would be not to want to bring up someone who's lost a child. Like I automatically in my head will assume, okay, well, they don't really want to speak about them because it's just going to upset them. Um, so it's great hearing your perspective where you're saying like, no, like you want to speak about them. You want the safe comfort platform to be able to speak about them um, without it being the other person thinking that they're doing something wrong, you know? Yeah, I, I think, you know, in terms of your perspective, um, I think it, it actually speaks to the majority of people. Um, I think that is the default uh, perspective that, you know, we, we just don't know what to say. We don't want to step on eggshells and we don't want to make someone cry. Um, yeah. And we don't, you know, don't want to kind of rock the boat. And, um, and, and what that ends up doing is actually being, you know, almost more isolating than anything else. And as I said, everyone has different grief journeys. Everyone has different perspectives on, on what they do want to share and don't want to share. Um, but I think universally, everyone does like to be checked on and does like, you know, a text um, or, or a call, um, even if they ignore it, even if they, they don't answer. Um, that's, you know, it, it could be monumental to them. Um, but what I also, one other thing I, I do want to say that I forgot to mention earlier is that um, as a griever, we, we actually have to be educators um, to our network, uh, our family and friends, uh, to let them know what's okay and what's not okay. Um, and this was a realization that I came to um, when I was talking to my therapist. And I said, you know, I, I don't understand why some of my best friends, these friends that were at my wedding, um, mm -hmm you know, they're not reaching out. They're not, they're not calling. They're not saying anything. Um, and she's like, well, did you, did you tell them? Yeah. I mean, did like, they, they knew what, what happened, but did you tell them that they can reach out or did you guide them or, or say anything? I'm like, no, I, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't think that was my job. Um, but she said, unfortunately, you know, ab above and beyond the tragedy, you kind of have to take, um, you know, that initiative because people don't know people actually don't, um, don't know what to say. And so yeah. um, if you do want them to reach out, you know, just, just let them know that it's okay. Um, 
you know, to, to go ahead and, and give him a call or it's okay to, to do something about it. Um, and so, yeah, there, there is a little bit of both uh, sides of it. You know, we, we certainly have to lead a little bit more, um, but it never hurts to, to take that first initiative and say, you know, I, I don't think anyone would be offended by saying, Hey, I'm thinking about you. Um, something as simple as that is, is, you know, could be very powerful. Yeah, I, I definitely agree as well. If obviously, if I've ever had to go through having to be a support system for someone, because I have in the past sort of done that. Oh, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna stay away because I don't want to say anything that's gonna evoke emotion. So definitely, um, hearing again from you and your side and your perspective of it definitely um, assists and obviously helps me, and I'm sure it will help others as well. I remember, so I mentioned to you in our pre-podcast that um, one of the guests I had was going through a situation where their child was extremely ill and friends that they were very close to didn't reach out and partly that was because she felt that you automatically put yourself in the other person's shoes and because you don't want to go through that or even feel anything that's next to similar you kind of avoided the situation completely, which isn't right. But again, I think it's just kind of a human reaction. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, certainly. And I, you know, I, I sometimes wonder what, what people think on the other side, but it almost feels as if, you know, like I'm kind of an outcast or a leper or, you know, because something mm-hmm. terrible happened to me, they don't want to actually even be in my circumference. Right. Um because, you know, let's let, you know, you know, God forbid something happens to, to their children as well. And, and, and so, you know, which is completely irrational, completely not the case, yeah, but, yeah. um, but I, I think the other thing is, is, you know, people are actually trying to protect themselves as well. Um, mm-hmm. They, they don't actually want to feel bad and they don't want to feel, um, you know, vulnerable either and, or, or cry either. And so there's a little bit of self-protection there. Um, but yeah, like in terms of some of the, the things that people say after the loss um you know one of the things that really has irked me a little bit was was really when people say i can't even imagine um when when you actually dissect that and actually take that apart um i can't even imagine your loss it almost feels as if they don't even want to imagine um you know the first the first step to empathy is actually putting yourselves in in that other person's shoe um, but when you're kind of saying, I don't even want to imagine, you're kind of like, well, I, I, I don't want to do, I don't want anything to do with you or any, any of your problems or any of your tragedy. Yeah. And so I'm not even going to imagine. Um, yeah. I understand, you know, I understand where the gesture comes from, but um, it, it, you know, it's As someone on the other end of the comment, it, this is what your perception is of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's certainly hurtful because I kind of take it as, as almost if, Hey, I'm living through the worst thing that, that a parent can ever go through. Um, I was, I was reading a book the other day about a Holocaust survivor actually, um, who went, who lived through the Holocaust and then after, uh, got out and survived and then, uh, had, had lost a child at at a young age. And she said this, the survivor said that losing that child was, was certainly, you know, even tougher for her than, than surviving the Holocaust. And, Mm -hmm. um, just to kind of put that in, in context, but yeah, just in terms of, um, you know, uh, being able to imagine, I think, um, I, I think the, there, there is a book that I am writing, um, that kind of will give that inside perspective of, of being able to imagine this invisible wound, um, that right. we're all 
walking with. Yeah, and I guess as well that every all of everyone avoids feeling, you know. Um, but again, even across, I'm not even going to be ignorant and say that I've never said anything like that because I probably have. But I'm not the person on the other end, so I'm not. So now hearing your perspective of it, I'm like, yeah, it is actually quite insensitive to say to say that, you know. And that's here's where the education comes in with the griever and someone who hasn't necessarily been through that and the understanding and the open dialect. Yeah, and I would say actually, you know, sometimes the best sometimes the best things to say aren't even words themselves, but it's actually actions and and actually embracing that person. Like if yeah, I, I remember uh I, I saw my brother-in-law for the very first time you know like four months after after the death and and um we had a beautiful lunch at his house and nobody really talked about aviva or brought her up um mm-hmm. even though it's kind of like i know when everyone's uh, forefront of their minds mm-hmm. and and at the very end uh when we're just about to leave he gave you know came over to to my wife his sister and and, and myself and he just gave us a really big bear hug and and we held it you know, for about five minutes and we we're just crying and, and bawling together. He didn't know what to say. He had no words. He, he didn't really understand what to say, but um, what he didn't know was really being able to give us a hug and, and, and share that uh, compassion with us, um, which meant the world to me. If I were to say there's one thing that someone's done that's, that's been amazing, um, I, w- I would kind of you know, relate that story. Yeah, and it's informative as well because Again, sometimes don't say anything, just a hug will be enough, you know. Um, I want you to tell our listeners about the inspiration behind Baby Aviva, the orangutan diva. Sorry, Baby Aviva, orangutan diva. Yeah, so thanks, Melissa. Um, so Baby Aviva, orangutan uh, diva is a book that I, I wrote um, really to spread the light, the life, the love, uh, of Aviva herself, and um, in a very fun and very creative and very imaginative way. Um, so when I was processing the grief, um, just a week or two after she died, um, I started writing a, a book because beyond the tragedy of losing her, um, you know, the thought of her not being able to get to meet those toddlers and kindergartners and parents and teachers um, that she would have otherwise. Um, really ate me to the core. It, you know, I really hated uh, the fact that she wouldn't be able to get that impact that so many of us who, who live in this world, um, we get to have these memories and we get to make this, this impact. And you hear it at a lot of funerals, you know, this person influenced me in this way, or, you know, the, here's a funny story about this person, or this, this is a positive thing that came from this person. Well, with, with Aviva, because she met maybe a handful, maybe 20 people throughout her entire life due to COVID. Um, I wanted to really spread her story um, in a way that, that really touched people in, in with messages um, that, that are inspiring to children. And so um, the reason why it's an orangutan is um, besides the fact that they're beautiful animals and, and wonderful, intelligent creatures, um, you know, one of our very last uh, family uh, out, uh, outings was actually to the San Diego Zoo here, um, where we had a really beautiful day with with the kids, um, and it was you know we saw the animal all, all the animals the the tigers and the uh, elephants and the very last um, the very last animal we saw was was the orangutans and 
Um, the other two, her older siblings were, it was around nap time around 2 PM in the afternoon. And Aviva was just completely focused and just, uh, intense, intensely looking at these beautiful creatures, um, infatuated with them. In fact, and, um, we stood there for about 20 minutes while, while the orangutans were in the, um, you know, in, in their, in their area. So baby Aviva, orangutan diva, uh, really embodies this personality, this character, um, this fun, loving, um, musical dancing, uh, little diva of an orangutan. Um, <clears throat> she's, uh, in this village and she has a big appetite, uh, but the, the village is out of food and she really loves bananas. And so the only bananas are across this river full of crocodiles into this part of the jungle where the tiger is actually protecting all of the, uh, all of the bananas. And so, you know, she asks if anyone's going to go and no one volunteers and, and then she puts her hand up and says, and she says, I'll go. She's this fearless, fearless leader. Um, another elephant actually uh, volunteers and she crosses over with Sophia, the elephant, which is actually her real life sister um, across this, the crocodiles and, and then swings down the trunk and into the trees where all of a sudden she's confronted by this tiger who's going Grrr, like this, this really vicious tiger and and um you know she's all you know shocked and afraid and, and fearful but then starts thinking and says you know maybe there's something i can do um to really win this tiger over um so she starts singing she starts doing what she does best and she sings you know this beautiful harmony and all of a sudden the tiger just starts swaying and moving his feet and and before you know it she, he's dancing and then she's swinging down and she's dancing with him and, and this orangutan and tiger just having fun under the tropical heat. Um, they dance the afternoon away. And before you know it, they get tired. And, and Tito, the tiger offers up a little piece of meat and Aviva, the orangutan says, ah, you know, I, I'd, I'd actually rather have bananas. And he says, of course, all you have to do is ask. And, um, and she gets the bananas and they end up becoming really good friends. And she crosses back over uh, you know, back over to, to the community and, and is the heroine as is the hero, um, that really, uh, saves the day and, and does something for her community. Um, and, 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 and at the end of the book, it's really, uh, she realizes that, you know, what's most important is, is being true to yourself. Um, you know, thinking about the inner strengths and inner skills that you have and really overcome any kind of challenges that you have in life by being true to her yourself. Um, so some of the messages in the book are, are really about, you know, teamwork, the power of teamwork using, you know, the elephant and becoming a team with the tiger um, to really accomplish different tasks, um, uh, overcoming adversity by using your, your inner strengths. Um, for her, it was, it was a singing and dancing, um, not judging the book by its cover. So she, she wasn't afraid of this, this tiger, but she knew that it could become her new friend. And so um, she wasn't afraid for that. Um, the power of asking for something when, when you really want something, uh, uh, you kind of have to just put yourself out on a limb and ask, you know, for this, these bananas. Um, and then finally, you know, doing something positive for your community and bringing those bananas back and, you know, saving, uh, the, the village of, of starvation, um, was really important, but, uh, above and beyond everything, it's, it's really about, about staying true to who you are as a person. And, you know, for all of the you know, kids and children around the world, um, they face, you know, a lot of different challenges, you know, bullies in school or bad grades or whatever it is, um, really to look inwards and look, look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know, what do I actually have to offer to this world? 
um, to really overcome the challenges and hurdles that really stand in my way. Um, you know, that's, that's a powerful message that, that I really want to get across to, um, to children, but also parents and, and have parents really um, be able to talk to their kids about, you know, what are some of these underlying messages and, and what can we learn from the book um, in a creative and fun way and, and, and rhyming, if I will, um, it's a rhyming book uh, as well. So um, that, is, uh, that is Baby of Eva, Orangutan Diva. It's um, got really beautiful illust illustrations as well. Um, so yeah. Yeah, and I think the title is so beautiful as well. It really does have a little ring to it. Um, and I've seen the front cover and it just looks so, so cute. I'm pretty sure your daughter will be so proud. Um, but as we're wrapping this up, I want you to give your personal message to parents who have had have gone through um, losing a child, what would be your words of wisdom to them? Yeah, so to anyone who's who's ever had uh, a loss of a child or any any tragedy, um, I, I would say, you know, really be um, gentle on yourself, um, have have a lot of compassion um, in, for yourself. Um, be understanding uh, to your spouse, your partner, um, because maybe they're not in the same place that you are. Um, but there's a lot of things that yet you can do, even in grief, uh, to support your um, your partner along that journey. And also, you know, embrace things in your own unique way. Um, we all have different ways that we grieve, um, different outlets that that we find ourselves doing. Um, what I would encourage you is, is to try to find joy and, and to try to find ways to really honor your loved one, uh, commemorate your loved one, um, and really bring the love that you have for your child into other aspects of your life um, that you can do here on earth. Um, and if you do have other children, uh, if you're lucky enough, um, you know, cherish those moments that you do have with them, um, cherish those, those precious moments uh, each and every day. Um, and, and, and really live, live your life, um, as hard as it is right now, uh, live your life, um, with, with joy. Amazing. I think that was said so eloquently, and I'm sure that your words definitely would reach those grieving parents. Um, I want you to tell our listeners where they can actually find your book. Um, and any other information out there that you can have that you can share with them? Yeah, so anyone who's interested, Baby Aviva Orangutan Diva uh, can be found on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, pretty much any other major book outlet uh, out there. Um, there is paperback, there's a hardback version, uh, which is really the best quality in my opinion. Um, there's also an ebook as well as an audiobook version. Um, I've actually had a lot of fun creating the audio version myself. Um, so there's, there's a, there's, you know, a good way to kind of put your kids to sleep. If you're, if you're uh, looking for a story for nap time or, or bedtime. Um, and if you, if you want to find out more about ways that Aviva is continuing to impact this world, um, you can find more about her at my website. Uh, it is hanskulberg.com, H-A-N-S-K-U-L-L-B-E-R-G.com. Perfect. And all your details will be in the description of the podcast. 
And thank you so much for taking the time out and joining us today. It has been an absolute pleasure and really appreciate you sharing your story and giving us an insight into a father's journey of grief and to be so brave enough to share your story with us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Melissa. I really appreciate it. Had a lot of fun being here on your show. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you for listening in to this week's episode. Feel free to leave a comment, like, and share this episode. If you want a chance to be a guest on the show, all you have to do is send me a DM on my Instagram, which is at the Mummy Warriors. See you next week.